Like today is the day. Today, today is the day that Christianity celebrates the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. The day that he walked out of the tomb, raised back to life by the power of God. Three days ago, he was nailed to a cross, died, buried, but today he is risen. I want to read an account that was written to the church in Corinth that says a lot about today. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 4. Jesus was buried. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. Just as the prophecies were spoken. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive today, although some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And this was written by the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says after this. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. This was written about 20 years after Jesus ascended back into heaven by the Apostle Paul. Paul used to be a Jewish religious leader. Paul vehemently hated Jesus. He hated Christianity. As a matter of fact, it is recorded in the book of Acts that he went from door to door, dragging Christians from their homes to torture and to kill them and to get them to renounce their faith. That's who wrote this right here. He has this crazy encounter with Jesus himself, face to face with Jesus, and Jesus says, why are you persecuting my church? And then he becomes a believer. And he wrote most of what we call the New Testament. He established churches all along the Mediterranean area, and he wrote these letters to them. And these letters we use as our guideline for Christianity. Paul fought many different things in the churches he established. One of the things, when you read his epistles, that he fought the most was racism. There were all kinds of people coming to church who didn't like each other, but they had one thing in common, Jesus. And when you read Paul's letters, he tried very hard to bring people together. Forget about what you think. Forget your preconceived ideas about other people groups. You have one thing in common. It's Jesus. Focus on that. This was a man who hated Jesus and then grew to be in love with him. Established churches. Probably interviewed people and talked to people and, and found this out right here. And here's the other thing. All of the disciples met an untimely death for preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There started out to be 12. One betrayed him. We know his name was Judas. Judas felt so guilty and bad for what he did. He went and he hung himself. And then they voted another one in. So now they have 12 again. 
All 12, well, 11 of the 12, were killed for preaching the gospel of Jesus. If this was a hoax, why did they preach Jesus with such boldness that they allowed themselves to be put to death? One of the disciples who was preaching Jesus was banished to an island forever. His name was John, and he wrote the book of Revelation, which is what we get the end times prophecies from today, which, as a matter of fact, we're doing a series on in this church, and we'll pick it back up again next Sunday. So if the end times stuff, Revelation intrigues you, we're doing a series on that. It's going to last for a long time. We're taking our time, but that's what we're doing here, the book of Revelation. But on this weekend... Between Friday and today, there was great confusion and a sense of loss with Jesus' faithful followers, his disciples. What they did not know between Friday and today was that it was all part of God's purpose and his plan, within his plan for Jesus. God's plan to redeem mankind. I know that that doesn't always make sense. We often ask the question, why do I need a savior? I treat people the way I want them to treat me. I do good things. I support my family. I encourage my children. I'm good to my spouse. I donate to good things. Why do I need a savior? It doesn't always make sense. But here's the deal. The only way to be the people that we were created to be is to live our lives alongside Jesus, with him in our lives. Because he is our creator. And so what I want to do today is I want to take some time and I want to share with you three benefits that we can get by believing in the resurrection of Jesus. And the first one is this. Jesus has a purpose and a plan for every one of us. Every single human being on the earth, Jesus has a purpose and a plan for. How many of us have spent years trying to figure out what our purpose in life is? Finding our purpose and our meaning can be kind of tricky because we often mistake our purpose for success or a career or a family, or our schooling. We sometimes think, you know, what I am most productive in and what I am really good at is my purpose in life. When we think we have found purpose that wasn't the way God intended for us, we end up in this place of, why am I here? Who am I? Is this all that life has to offer? Does my life even have meaning? And do I really know what my purpose in life is all about? And these are questions that will lead to a lot of speculation and, and guessing. And we'll never find our true purpose in life this way. We just won't. Often people try to find their purpose in life by looking within. You'll hear this a lot in Eastern philosophies and, and even philosophers. You know, look within you. 
You also hear this in movies, right? Luke, Skywalker, the Force, it's within you. Daniel's son, Karate Kid, it's within you. Even Mickey told Rocky, it's in here. We're told to look within to find purpose, to find the true meaning of life. It's inside of you. And here's the problem with that, though. Most of us will agree with me, we're a mess inside. <laughs> I, I know this because I spent years looking within me. And it was just this endless cycle. We'll never find true purpose in life by looking within because our true purpose in life doesn't come from within us. It's like this. If we need to find the purpose of something, right? Maybe a mechanical object or, or you know, guys or whatever, you know, whoever, whoever does the maintenance around the house and, and you've bought this thing and you need to, to figure it out. Right now, I'm working on plumbing issues. It's driving me nuts. I need to figure out why and then the purpose. You don't take the mechanical object apart to look within it to find the purpose, right? When you're stumped, what do you do? Dads, what do you do? YouTube. You, YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is the greatest. I Google it, and then, then the best is when it, when it brings you, it's a 20-minute video, but it takes you right to where you need to be, and that two minutes saves your life. You look the manual up. You look it up. You go outside what you're looking at to find the purpose, to figure it out. It's the same for us. We'll never figure out our true purpose in life apart from our creator, apart from Jesus and his manual, God's word. Church, this is our manual in life. Everything that we have questions about that we need answers to can be found in God's word. Science catches up to God's word. Everything is in there, church. Finances, marriage, raising children, working hard, our faith, nature, science, creation, it's all in God's word. See, we were created for a purpose much greater than anything this world has to offer. Because God created us. Our purpose in life is part of his plan for us. Our purpose is much deeper than a career, than a hobby, than sports, than our family. It's deeper than that. that all those things are important. And we cannot neglect our family. We can't neglect our jobs. But our purpose is deeper than that. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5 says this, He, Jesus, died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. 
Our purpose in life is to get to know our creator, Jesus. And from there, he will begin revealing his plan for us. Now, we're no longer living for ourselves. We're living for him. This is a plan that is much greater than we can ever work out on our own. Because we're no longer doing it on our own. When we go through life looking to be successful, looking to be popular, looking to be the self-made person that we often set out to be, in other words, doing life on our own terms, we miss out on the best that there is offered to us. See, by receiving this new life that only Jesus can offer means that we ask him into our lives. We trust him to lead us through life. See, I no longer have the weight and the burden of me having to figure everything out on my own. I give it to Jesus. We make a mistake, I talk to Jesus about it. I took a right when I should have taken a left. I asked Jesus what happened there. And we work it out together. And the burden of that mistake is no longer on me alone. It's us together. He didn't make the mistake, but it's us working this out together. It's a lot easier than doing it on your own. And now... We trust in his wisdom, his knowledge, his plans for us, and his plans reveal our purpose in life. See, many people, they look good on the outside. They may even feel good on the inside. But there's often something missing, and they feel stuck in life, frustrated, and even empty inside. And he can't figure this out. I can tell you what it is. It's because they are missing the presence of their creator, their savior. They're missing Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says this, verse 8. He has showered us he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to, fill his, to, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Wait a minute, you know what? I read the wrong passage. <laughs> Let's start over again. That was Ephesians chapter 1. That was still good, see? <laughs> All right, let's back up. And I'll tell you what they're missing. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> the next chapter. <laughs> Verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. 
For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, before we were even born, God had plans for each one of us. And the moment conception took place, God had plans for each one of us. And then the moment we invited Jesus into our lives, those plans began to be set in motion. Jesus says, I have been waiting for this. I can't set the plans I have for you in motion until you and I are doing life together. Until then, they're on the shelf waiting for you to call upon my name so I can pour them out into your life. The moment we invite Jesus into our lives, the moment we believe that he is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, that he is the only one who can forgive us of all wrongdoing. And it is by grace that we receive this goodness. It is not earned by anything we can do. You know what grace is? Grace is, I'm not giving you what you deserve, God says. I'm giving you what I want to give you. I'm pouring out second chances. I'm pouring out my unconditional love. See, here's another thing. When we do things on our own terms, everything we do is conditional. It's based on our surroundings. It's based on our decisions. But with Jesus, everything we do is unconditional because when we make a mistake, we've got him to help us along, not just our own wisdom. And then the moment this happens, when we invite him into our lives, we become a new person, a perfected masterpiece in God's eyes. Now, that's a hard one to say out loud, right? Like, I'm perfect. God says, I'm perfect. I can't say that. I only say that when it's just me in the mirror. <laughs> and sometimes Kim. But then she tells me, you're, you're not. If you think you're perfect, get married and have kids, you'll find out you are not. But we are perfected. When God sees us, he sees a perfect masterpiece that he created. We look in the mirror, we see all our flaws, we see all the things we don't like. God looks at us and says, but that is how I created you. That's how I created you. I wanted you this way. Church, Jesus Christ is the only one to ever raise from the dead after being in a grave for three days. The first passage we read, over 500 people saw him in one time, and then all of his followers saw him. He spent time with people. He taught with people. He made breakfast on the beach with, I think, his favorite, Peter. And they watched him ascend into heaven. He's the only one to do that. He even came out of heaven to meet the apostle Paul. His name was Saul at the time. Jesus Christ splits the timeline of the world's history, the world, between B.C. and A.D. with his birth. We don't record time like that for anybody else. Every faith out there, every thought process, every philosopher, every human being 
when they look at the world's timeline of history, has to hit a point where they say, this was before Christ and this was after. Why would we not at least give him a chance to bring the change in our lives when we're looking for a change, when we feel empty, when we feel stuck, when we don't know what to do, when we no longer have the answers, when life just blew up in our faces and, and now we need something because we have all these questions. Why would we not give him a chance? The only way we will find true purpose in life is through the resurrection of Jesus. And the moment we invite him into our lives, God's Holy Spirit fills us and we now have access to the same power of God that rose Jesus from the dead. Did you know that? God's Holy Spirit lives within us when we ask Jesus into our lives. And that same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives within us. See, often people invite Jesus into their lives because they come to a point where they realize they need something bigger than what they've been relying on. That something is a someone by the name of Jesus. And with that is the second thing we're going to look at. Jesus has the power to breathe life into dying situations. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can breathe life into any situation we find ourselves stuck in. He is a resurrecting God, a life-giving God. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said this. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When we are tired, When we can't see the way out of a situation, when all seems lost, when confusion sets in, depression is like a dark blanket over us. Hopelessness, feelings of failure. When these things begin happening, God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, will breathe life into that situation and we will be able to run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. He will renew our strength. In Luke chapter 18, we read, what is impossible for people is possible for God. What is impossible for us to do is possible for God. Anything is possible with God. God has the power to help us overcome every situation 
that seems impossible to overcome. And he might not take the situation away from us, but he will help us deal with it. He will see us through it. And in the midst of it, we might not even sense his presence. But when we come through it, we'll look back and say, thank goodness I had the power of God on my side. And this is the only, this can only be accomplished by inviting the resurrected life of Christ Jesus into our lives. Only Jesus can fill the emptiness and the void we so often feel when we try to do life in our own strength. Our own strength will fail us. Only Jesus can help us find out what our purpose is. And we'll never know what our true purpose is apart from Jesus. And we'll never have the power of God in heaven working for us apart from Jesus. Peter wrote this. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Wait, let me back up a bit. I know he's going to mess it up again. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. The more we get to know Jesus, the more we realize how much he does for us. And that he is the source of everything we need. One more thing we'll look at on this Easter Sunday that we gain from the resurrection of Jesus when we invite him into our lives. And that is this. When we invite Jesus into our lives, we now have the hope of eternal life in heaven. We are no longer condemned to an eternity apart from God. We have the hope of being with Jesus forever. All of us put our hope in something. The hope that someday things will get better. We often put our hope in our career. Maybe we put our hope in our family, like this will make things better. We put our hope in the, the big break that we're looking for. We put our hope in our spouse. We put our hope in our relationships. We put our hope in wealth. We put our hope in medications. 
And some of us put our hope in our good looks. All these things will disappear someday. Even our good looks. Hair falls out. Wrinkles start happening. Hope can be a very powerful thing when we know that we have the hope of eternity in heaven with Jesus. Apart from that, it's not really hope. I call it wishful thinking. The one thing we can put our hope in that can never be taken away is that someday we will receive an inheritance that is being kept for us in heaven. You know, sometimes you have a uh, a grandparent or a great-grandparent, right, and they have an inheritance and you hope to receive something from that. We have a hope, church, that when you invite Jesus in your life, there is an inheritance waiting for you, an eternal inheritance. Another thing that, that Peter wrote about. 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. That, that's hope. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Church, if there's one thing that I buy into 110%, it is the Word of God. And these are things right here, these passages today, they're part of my life passages that, that when all else is falling apart around me, I can trust in this. I can lean into this. I can talk to God about this. And when things are bringing me down, I can think about an inheritance that I have in heaven. I don't even know what it looks like, but I'm going to tell you, it's better than anything we will ever experience here on earth. By putting our faith in Jesus, that's called being born again. And we can only be born again by believing in the resurrection of Jesus, that he is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. Once this happens, we now have hope. We live with great expectation that someday we will receive a priceless inheritance that God himself has waiting for each one of us. But in the meantime, 
through our faith in his son Jesus, God is protecting us with his power. See, we were never promised an easy life as Christians. That's what Peter was saying here. He gives us this, this great passage of, of whoo, this is good. And then he says, yeah, but you know what? You're going to have some hard times, so hang in there. It does mean, though, that we can be truly glad knowing that even though hard times will come, we have the power of God protecting us and seeing us through every trial and tribulation that we will ever deal with here on this earth. Amen. Again, I ask you, why would you not at least give that a chance? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things we cannot see, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. You know what we cannot see right now? Jesus. God's Holy Spirit. We cannot see it, but we know he's there. We know the Holy Spirit is here. Some of us know that he's within us. We sense his presence when we get up. We sense his presence throughout the day. There's nothing that can change our minds that God is not real because we have fixed our eyes on the things that we cannot see. We know that he is the only one who will lead us through the hard times in a way that offers the wisdom of the one who created everything that we see before us today. The sun, the moon, the stars, the fish, the birds, the animals, the plants, the trees, the people around us here. God created all of that by speaking it into existence. He will protect us and comfort us. He will lead us and provide for us. He will laugh with us, and he will cry with us. He is the king of all kings and the ruler of all authorities. He is the only one who can forgive us of, the, of our sins and take the weight of the life we've been carrying around ourselves. You know, when you receive that forgiveness of sins from Jesus... You don't realize the baggage you've been carrying around until he finally takes it from you. And I remember submitting my life to Jesus, and then about nine months later or so, I started coming to church, and then about two months later, I experienced that total forgiveness. It's different for all of us. But I was like, wow, there's a big weight gone. It's the forgiveness of my sins. Jesus alone is the Savior for those who are looking for something bigger than themselves to find true purpose and meaning in life. To me, Jesus is worth it. And my faith in him is something that nobody can take away. If you're here today, 
and the connection has been made that the resurrection of Jesus is real and, and he is who you've been looking for. He is who you're in need of. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to, to raise your hand. You know, there are churches all around the world right now where people are saying, Jesus, you, you are what I've been looking for. I want to give you a chance. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because raising your hand is, is a public statement of saying, Jesus, you have my attention and I'd like to invite you into my life. And maybe it's for the first time, and maybe it's for the second, third, fourth, or fifth time. It doesn't matter how many times. Because here's the thing about Jesus. The only thing that matters to him is that we respond to that gentle whisper that we hear. It's his voice. And it's a very simple process. The Bible makes it very clear. Romans chapter 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. That's all there is to it. The thief, there were two thieves on the cross to the left and the right of Jesus. One of them cursed him and the other one said, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise because he believed at that moment that Jesus was the Son of God. And I believe he experienced the resurrection with Jesus. Not at the same time, but you know. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. That's raising your hand. So I want to give you a minute here. And, and what I want to do is, I want to ask just everybody to close their eyes, bow your heads. And if you're here today and you want to invite Jesus in your life, maybe it's the first time, maybe it's second, third, or fourth time, it doesn't matter. What I want to do is I want to give you that opportunity to respond to the voice of God that's in your ear right now, that's in your heart right now. So that you can realize what your true purpose is in life and that God himself, who gave you that purpose, can walk those plans out with you. And for those of you that aren't familiar, every Easter we take up an offering to uh, support the three uh, international missions that this church supports. And so I want to show a, a quick video just to give you a little overview of what those missions are about. And then we'll talk about it for a minute and we'll take our offering. This Easter, you can make a difference in people's lives around the world by giving to any of these three Easter offerings, Brazil, Haiti, and Vietnam. Let's take a closer look at what we're doing to help those in these regions. Haiti is one of the most food insecure places in the world. Two-thirds of the population lacks access to adequate sanitation. Out of 10.7 million people, half are undernourished and 22% of children are chronically malnourished. In Haiti, we're feeding children. $180 will feed one child for an entire year. Despite having one of the largest economies in the world, 
Brazil has a massive water and sanitation crisis. There are currently 3 million people without access to safe water and 24 million without access to improved sanitation. For those who have access to safe water, the supply is lacking because of the numerous deficiencies in drinking water systems. In Brazil, we're installing water filters to provide clean water. $195 builds one water filter, and in June each year, a team is sent to help deliver these water filters along the Amazon River. 5.8% of the population is considered disabled in Vietnam. For a country home to roughly 95 million, this equates to more than 5 million people. Often, those with disabilities face circumstances that make life more difficult, such as limited access to education, fewer work opportunities, and difficulty with transportation and self-care. In Vietnam, we're giving away wheelchairs. With just $75, we can get a wheelchair to a person that really needs it. If any of these offerings interested you, please consider giving this Easter to help someone in need. So today is the day that we take up an offering for these three missions. I oversee the Brazil mission, Henry Diani oversees Vietnam, and Steve Fitter oversees Haiti. These are ministries that are, they are a part of who we are. And, and every year at this time, I ask you to give sacrificially. We, we did a series on each one of these a few weeks ago. I wouldn't ask you to give sacrificially if I didn't believe in these, if Henry didn't believe in Vietnam, if Steve didn't believe in, in Haiti. So $180 to, 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 that goes towards Haiti feeds a child for an entire year. Think about that. $180 feeds a child for an entire year, six days a week in Haiti. $75 buys a wheelchair in Vietnam. There are people living in huts in Vietnam that can't get around, and this restores their dignity. And then $180 in Brazil buys a water filter. People that live on rivers in the Amazon, none of the water is drinkable. It's all contaminated. And that one's a little bit different because in that $195, some of that money also goes towards supplying people with jobs who make and distribute the water filters. So you're giving somebody clean drinking water for, for pretty much a lifetime, and then you're supplying people with jobs. You're restoring dignity, and you're, and you're restoring mobility for somebody in Vietnam who cannot walk around, and you're feeding hungry children and elderly in Haiti for an entire year. And we live in America where we scrape leftovers off the plate, right? Church, we can give sacrificially to these. This isn't like a play. We don't do this throughout the year. Um, everything, all the money that comes into this church today and up to Friday this week will go towards these three missions. If you want to give to one, two, or all three, if you want to buy one of each, if you want to buy several of each, help us be a part of changing lives around the world. Um, and just to, just to give you... Uh, uh, just to give you an example of what these Easter offerings have looked like, we've been giving away the Easter offering here since 1991. And since 1991, you, this church, has given away $1.5 million. Now, for these three missions, though, since we've been supporting them, um, 
the, the wheelchairs, 7,121 wheelchairs we have given away since 2010. 697 water filters since 2017, and 690 children fed since 2018. Like Thomas said, we, we, we really don't talk about money much in this church, but I always call it our Easter giving series because it is the one time a year where I truly believe our money makes a difference because it is a gift. You are giving a gift to somebody, and the gospel is attached to your money. The children in Haiti receive church. They, they, they have church while they're being fed. Uh, pastor Vu, the Vietnamese pastor in a communist country, makes sure that people receive the message that Jesus loves them, where he's not even allowed to say Jesus out loud. And then in Brazil, they set up the water filters, and then they come back a month later to make sure it's still working, and they bring the message of Jesus in with them. So church, I'm asking you, help us out with this offering today. I'm going to have the ushers come up. If you want to give your offering today, you can do that. Uh, they have the baskets here. Also, there's a number of ways. You can go to our website, vineyard05.com. If you click on the missions tab, you can open that next page up, and there's a give here tab. And then you can designate it to one, two, or all three of the missions. If you write a check, just write it in the memo. You can use our envelopes that we have back there. Um, to designate where you want it to go to. But I want to thank you for those of you that have been supporting and those of you that have started giving. And I want to thank you in advance, church, for helping us change lives around the world this Easter. So let's pray for our Easter offering. First of all, God, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy spoken about you. Only you can change a life the way it was intended to be changed. Only you can fulfill true purpose the way it was originally designed to be fulfilled. Only you, Jesus, can offer the hope of eternal life. And I thank you for that. And God, I want to pray for this Easter offering, Lord. I want to pray for those who give today. I want to pray for those who say, you know what, I can do this. Pull up vineyard05.com and give. I want to thank you, Jesus, for those who are giving sacrificially. I want to thank you, Jesus, for those who, who, who say to themselves, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I feel like I need to give this much. There's a proverb that says, those who give to the Lord are lending to the poor, and he will repay you. Jesus identifies with the poor and the needy. And when we give to missions like this, we are linking up with Jesus. And God says, I'll repay you. I'll repay you for this. Because who else is going to take care of these people? And it is a way to usher in the gospel as well so that they too can have the hope of a resurrected Jesus who loves them. And we pray this in Jesus' name.